It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, joining us on this special edition of Locked On Auburn, Jeff Perlman, author of the book, The Last Folk Hero, The Life and Myth of Bo Jackson. What made you decide to write all of this uh, about Bo? I mean, number one, I'm a kid of the, uh, I'm an old man. So I grew up and Bo Jackson was in my wheelhouse. I was a kid in New York and I loved Bo Jackson. The mystique, the mystery, what's he going to play? What's he good at? Who is he? Blah, 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 the whole thing. And I just, I'm very nostalgic. I know. Are you a nostalgic guy, Zach? Like, do you get nostalgic about sports? Uh, I don't know if I'm old enough to be nostalgic yet. If I'm being How honest, Jeff. <laughs> I'm 29. All right, but don't you like look back to when you were like 12 or 13 and you had a favorite athlete and that meant something to you? Sure, yeah. That's what it is. Like you look back and you think about the athletes who influenced you or that you loved and you lived and died with. And Bo Jackson for me was that guy in a lot of ways. So I just wanted to dive back in and sort of, you know, experience that again. Bo Jackson is so interesting from my perspective because I didn't think I realized Bo was as big as he was, right? My father grew up and went to Bessemer and, and all of that. Oh, and so he right. talked about Bo Jackson and, and Bessemer any chance he could possibly get. So I just thought it was big to him because he was from Bessemer, right? And then, yeah. you know, as you get older, you realize just how big and how transcendent of an athlete Bo Jackson was. And you you talk about it and you refer back to your visit to Bessemer, which uh, I think I read somewhere. It was like your first visit, uh, first place that you went after COVID was yeah. Bessemer when other people kind of went all over the place. You you went to Bessemer, Alabama. And I went to Bessemer every Thanksgiving for, for the vast majority of my life until a few years ago. Yeah. And um, there's not a lot there, Jeff. No, not a ton. But, but all right, if I'm you, Zach, going to Bessemer for Thanksgiving and I'm like 16 years old, I'm not happy about it. If I'm me, Jeff, working on a Bo Jackson book and COVID and the pandemic has kept you home for a year and a half, I'm giddy. Everyone else is like, I'm going to Hawaii. I'm like, I'm going to Bessemer. And uh, <laughs> I'm in Bessemer and I went to a, I'm a, I'm literally a, like I'm a weird audience. I'm a liberal white Jewish guy from New York. Okay. And I'm at the Bo Jackson's Mount Zion church where he went and I'm yeah. at a service at the Mount Zion church and it's an African-American church. And it's very bombastic. And I'm and I freaking love every minute of it. That's why I love doing this job. So I love yeah. meeting people who are different than me, different exposures, different experiences, love it. And Walking his street where he grew up, I literally stole a brick. Maybe you, uh, you heard me talk about this. I yep. went to where his house was, and it's an abandoned lot with like broken bottles and old crap. But you, there's foundation, and I grabbed a brick, and I really wanted the brick because I wanted a part of Bo Jackson, if that makes sense. Then you and convinced TSA to to take it with you <laughs> on the that plane, which I don't know how you pulled that off. I know I won that battle. It was a big win for big win for me. Uh, they let me bring it home. And then, I, of course, I get home and I show it to my wife. And the face she makes is this. What? Where, Where is the brick, Jeff? What? The brick is in my office on my That's desk. Awesome. Yeah, I swear. I, they asked me about it on the Today Show. And they said, did you bring the brick by any chance? I was like, no. And they were actually disappointed I did not bring the brick on the Today Show. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So uh, just to be honest, I've only gotten a little bit through the book. I haven't finished it yet. But I, I assume you touch on this. And I assume it's part of the title, right? The last folk hero it's so interesting to me to think about what bo jackson would have been today with this world of social media and just thinking about like and hearing about all the stuff that he apparently did when he was in high school right and this is just coming from you know my dad's point of view who heard like 
hey, this bow kid, you know, hit this ball, you know, 500 feet or your 500 yards or you know, whatever. He jumped over a car, you know, all of these things. And it's like, man, if that just happened now, I think a lot of the things that he would put up as a TikTok or, you know, these videos that would be posted, I think everybody would think a lot of them were fake, Jeff. I agree. I also think if we're being honest, right, we're being honest. So some guy will be like, I mean, you know how it is. Oh, like your dad is probably like, I saw Bo Jackson or his friend. I saw Bo Jackson hit a ball so far that it traveled over four oak trees and dented a fire truck, you know, like that kind of thing. And I have, you'll have enough people tell you these stories that I do write about them, right? I will write about them. Mm -hmm. But I feel like if we were all, if we had our phones back in 1982, maybe it only went over a fern and maybe it traveled 300 feet, which would be amazing. But maybe it just traveled 300 feet. Or there's a story in the book about a ball hit the left field that by the time that it was Fair, Fairfield High School versus, uh, I, oh my God, versus Bo Jackson School, um, McAdory, by the time yeah. the ball came down, he was rounding third base. Now, that seems utterly ridiculous, right? That seems ridiculous. But everyone swore by the story. Now, am I convinced? Like, would I swear my life on that maybe the ball wasn't caught in a branch or maybe it took a breeze and went left or right? You know, no. But there's something about the folklore of it all that makes it really entertaining. Yeah. And then you see the, you know, the play that he made with the Royals where he throws it to, to home from, you know, like two feet away from uh, from the warning track. And it's like, did that ball hit the ground? Like, how did that happen? And it's like, oh, OK, maybe these things are true. Right. Oh, yeah. And um, I mean, the thing is, like, you've seen the video of him running up the wall, correct? Oh, yeah. OK. Like to me. No one's we've never seen anyone do that before. We've never seen anyone do that since. Never, never, ever have we seen someone do that. That really speaks to the mythology of Bo Jackson, and it allows us to maybe believe that he did hit a ball 500 feet, that he was on third by the time, because we have this one moment, and we have a bunch, but this one moment where he literally climbs up a wall, runs across the wall horizontally, runs down the wall in something no one has done before since. And just the way he handled it afterwards, too, is just like all of this. It it, it never really went to his head. It was just him... It seemed normal to him. And, you know, the, the story of, like, him just kind of putting his stuff down and running, like, the 4-2 or the 4-140 in, in Auburn's pro day. Yeah, yeah, yeah with, like, without warming up. And, like, he just didn't care to, like, stop. He just ran to practice afterwards or whatever. It's just Crazy. all of these things. It, it's just an amazing, amazing thing. So I love that you titled this The Last Folk Hero. I, I think it's very fitting. Yeah. Well, that was on – there's a writer named Joe Posnanski who actually came up with that. And one of the things he referenced is that throw you were talking about. It was against the Seattle Mariners. Harold Reynolds was on first. There was no possible way Bo should have gotten him, but he got him. He made this amazing throw. Right. And the reason he, he referred to that is like, if you watch the video, you never actually see Bo Jackson release the ball because they had a single camera shot. So it went from Bo getting the ball, rearing back, snapped to Harold Reynolds throwing third base. Yeah, so right. Like, did he throw the ball? Did we actually see him throw the ball? Do we know for 100% certainty he threw the ball? Or do we just have to believe because he's Bo Jackson? He did, and there's enough there. That's kind of what it is. Yeah, no, I, I think we do have to believe. I think we do have to believe. So what was kind of, uh, I mean, you've got a million Bo stories in this thing. Yeah. Which one stands out the most to you? I mean, I guess there are two, but one that really does it for me is um, he shows up with the Raiders, and they have him run a 40 on grass in pads. This is 87, 1987. And he runs a 419 in pads, right? Sure. And the coach, Tom Flores, and a bunch of the others are like, that doesn't seem right. And they measure off the 40 again. 
and they have him run again in pads on grass and he beats it. He runs a four one seven. I mean, Tyreek Hill does not come anywhere close to a four one seven. He's the fastest guy in the NFL. Yeah. And then the other one I really love that does it for me is when he was a when he was a junior at Auburn, the baseball team played the first ever night game at the University of Georgia. And it was a big deal at Georgia. So they have lights for the first time. And uh, have you seen the movie The Natural? Do you know The Natural? I haven't seen it. No. Okay. But The Natural is famous for this fictitious uh, slugger hitting the lights and the lights exploding, right? Got it. So this happened. This Bo Jackson thing happened 39 days before The Natural was released in theaters. It was Robert Redford. It was a huge movie. And um, But they're playing Georgia night game. Bo's first at bat. He grounds out to second. He goes back to the outfield. Everyone's heckling him, booing him because it's the Georgia crowd. Second at bat, he comes up, takes a swing, hits the lights, and the ball falls down to the field. It hits the lights. He jogs back out to right field. Everyone is bowing at him. All the Georgia fans are bowing at him. His next two at-bats, Homer, Homer, final at-bat, doubles, and they all boo him. It's incredible. It's incredible. Yeah, I, I hate I missed that era of Auburn athletics Yeah, um, for sure. But just it, just hearing folks that played with him, right? I, I produced um, Coach Dye's show for years but before he passed. Yeah. And he would have former players. He had Bo on a few times, of course, but he would all have former players. And just the way they all talked about Bo Jackson, just like such a giving guy, such a team first guy, such a, you know, understanding the big picture. And it was never really seemed to be all about him, even though, you know, Auburn was doing their Heisman campaign to get Bo the Heisman. But, you know, it just all around elite athlete, all around elite player. And um, I mean, I've talked to him a good amount of times at this point. Like, he seems like a pretty good dude, too. I, what I kind of uh, really admire about him is he had his really – in 1991, he has a serious hip injury that ends his NFL career, and then he plays a couple more years in Major League Baseball. Mm-hmm. And you never see the guy – like you'll never see him on ESPN saying, Derrick Henry sucks, I'm better than Derrick Henry. You know, you never see him saying, yeah, Mike Trout is good, but I could have been better than Mike Trout. He, sure. never, he doesn't do that stuff. He just doesn't do it. He's a dad. He's a grandfather now. He lives outside of Chicago. He shovels his own driveway. He drives his own Ford truck. He's just a guy, and he's never seemed overly impressed by all those things he did. We're impressed, but he yeah. never seems that impressed by it, and I think that's a really cool part of him. Yeah. So what do you think? I mean, you, you clearly did a lot of research and a lot of traveling to write this book, Jeff. What, um, what was probably the coolest conversation you had with folks? I mean, he had a bunch of teammates at both the yeah. college and, and pro levels with, with different sports. Um, what are some of the cool conversations that stood out to you? Well, one guy who I love is uh, Hal Baird, who is the Auburn baseball coach from Bo. Legend. Yeah. yeah. And he's great. He's such a nice guy. And uh, so Bo, you know, Bo, his senior year at Auburn, he played football and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers had the number one pick in the 86 draft. They were coming off a two and 14 season. Right. And before um, the draft, they flew Bo to Tampa Bay to take a physical. And this violated NCAA rule, uh, SEC yeah. rules at the time. Not NCAA rules, SEC rules, which is right. so – No, I say this, Zach, with all respect to Auburn and the SEC. Like, a very large percentage of players are getting paid money at this point. And, like, to be like, we need to ban you because you took a flight to Tampa is the height of hypocrisy. It's just sure. – It's a joke. It's, like, so, the dumbest thing ever. So um, I talked to Hal Barrett at length about him having to tell Bo Jackson – your baseball career is over. And they had to report him to the SEC and the SEC was unbending about it. And um, just how Barrett is the best. He's great. He loved Bo Jackson. He said something to me I haven't forgotten. He's like, the thing about Bo is when he told you something was true, it was true. When he told you he was going to play baseball, you knew he was going to. When he gave you his word, his word mattered. 
And Hal Baird really had a deep affection. And um, Bo played his freshman year. They had a different coach, Paul Nix. Mm-hmm. And Bo did not like playing for Paul Nix. And Paul Nix, Paul Nix used to berate players during games with a bullhorn. He would literally hold a bullhorn and be like, you stink, blah, 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 blah. Gross. So Bo didn't play his sophomore year. They fired uh, Nix, and Hal Baird came in. And Yeah. No, Hal, Hal Baird is still, uh, still around Auburn a lot. In fact, we're recording this on a Friday afternoon. Uh, I'm going to go to the scrimmage shortly after this. I bet he's out there just hanging out, supporting the program. So um, that'll be cool. But yeah, and then were the conversations different with talking to folks that were around him in college versus talking to folks that were around him in the pros, whether it was baseball or or football? Very much. Um, I think the – I would say, you know, he's a guarded guy. He's not warm and fuzzy. And it's funny because the Raiders and the Royals did not have his phone number. So like Art Shell was the coach of the Raiders and someone said, so is Bo reporting Wednesday? And his response was basically, I think so. He could be Tuesday, but I think Wednesday. He, he didn't <laughs> give him their number. He had very few close friends in clubhouses. Like he was friends with a couple of Royals, George Brett and Mark Ubza. He was friends with Howie Long and Bill Piquel with the Raiders. But he was guarded and he wasn't going out drinking at that point. He wasn't womanizing. He had his wife. He was a dad. Yeah. So – the closeness he had with teammates at Auburn, you know, living with people, rooming with people, the whole thing, he did not have with the Raiders and Royals in the same way. Yeah. So, I mean, what 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 is somebody going to get out of this book, Jeff? I mean, I mean, I know a lot of the people watching and listening are, are diehard Auburn people, and my my audience slants a little bit older, so a lot of the folks watching and listening probably listened or, or watched Bo Jackson play. What could they get out of this book? They're going to learn ten million things they never knew about Bo Jackson. Yeah, they're gonna get the stories behind the stories behind the stories of these moments of Bo over the top in the Iron Bowl, uh, wrong way Bo two years later. Like they're gonna learn <laughs> these different things and what really happened. And I interviewed 720 people for this book. It was exhausting. Wow. And you know, Bo declined to talk. We had a very nice conversation. Declined to talk, but Bo had an autobiography come out in 1990 called Bo Knows Bo, and it was written mm-hmm. with a, a journalist named Dick Shap. And before Dick Schaap died, he actually donated all his notes and transcripts to the Auburn Library. Most of those, that material was never used in the book. So I had uh, hours and hours of audio tape of Bo Jackson, never never heard before. Wow. And talking from his prime, mounds of footage of, uh, of uh, transcripts. So I dug deep on this thing. And I really wanted to be, I want people to know how great this guy was. I want them to remember the brilliance of Bo Jackson. I want them him to be discussed the way we discuss Mickey Mantle and Joe DiMaggio and Jim Brown, you know? Yeah. Uh, he's definitely worthy of it. How do you think this impacts or what Bo did impacts the whole idea of a potential two sport athlete today? Is that possible? Do you think that ever could be done again? So you may disagree with me because we have an age difference here. I feel like, uh, I feel like we as adults have made that much less likely because we suck. And when our kids are good at a sport, right? Let's say your kid is playing eighth grade baseball and he throws really hard. Um, All of a sudden, you're going to say the parent's going to be like, you know, little Jimmy, he can really throw. Why don't we get him a pitching coach during the off season? But Jimmy, how about you don't play basketball this year? We're just going to get you a pitching coach. And Jimmy's okay. I get it. And then we'll be like, Jimmy, why don't this guy from this private league wants you to play? Blah, blah, blah. You should do that. And then I'm telling you, this comes from being a parent, and I was not a sport parent in this way. Mm -hmm. You see other kids advancing, and you as a parent start freaking out. And you're like, whoa, uh, Donnie over there is working with this coach, blah, blah, blah. We should get Jimmy to work. Bo Jackson growing up in Bessemer 
he was jumping over ditches. He was throwing crab apples at kids. He was beating the snot out of people. He was throwing rocks. He was jumping over fences. It was a real, I wrote about, I wrote Brett Favre's biography. I wrote Walter Payton's biography. These kids who grew up in the deep South, they had these very organic, natural childhoods. Sure. And it would be football season. All right, we're going to play football. And you know what we're going to do on our off day? A bunch of us are going to hang out in the yard and play kill the carrier. Or we're going to roll up a ball. And we're going to play baseball over at the park. And that doesn't really happen anymore, which sucks. Yeah. Yeah. No, I didn't expect you to go that direction with it, but I think that's totally true. And you're starting to see the narrative now, like the first, uh, you know, throughout the NFL draft, you'll see the statistic like, all right, of all the first round picks, you know, 28 of the 32 were like dual sport athletes in high school. So maybe that trend is changing. I think it'd be great. I think it'd be great for, uh, for, I don't know, especially like if, if baseball was one of them, like I, I think somebody like that could really kind of be the face of baseball, would, uh, would really help that sport. Wait, I'll tell you one thing that just speaking as a parent, honestly, is like, to me, the biggest, the biggest part of it is like, you only get to be a kid one time in your life, right? right. You get one take, you get zero to 18 and then it's over. It's, it's over. Done. Yeah. The idea of robbing your kid's joyful childhood so you can create the next Nolan Ryan or you can create the next Bo Jackson, you know, whatever football. It's insane. It's insanity. Let your kids be kids. Let them play multiple sports. You're only going to be zero to 18 one time. It's over. No question. Uh, Jeff, I know you've done a bunch of interviews on this book. How many folks have had a Bo Jackson jersey in the background of their set? You're the only one. Sweet. And you have a 1997 College World Series pendant, which also makes you the only one. Uh, and yeah, that's right. Is that a fake cactus or a real cactus? Uh, it is fake. And you it have a fake, fake cactus. I do have a fake cactus. That's right. How many people in the history of your podcast have had um, a Milwaukee Brewers hat on? Uh, you're probably the first. You're probably okay. the first. So congratulations, right. Jeff. History. history. How, how can folks uh, find this book and buy it, Jeff? Uh, you know, Amazon, all the different selling places where you can buy books. It's there. Barnes & Noble, Amazon, et cetera. Got it. Jeff Perlman, thank you for your time, brother. Zach, thank you. I appreciate it. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.